The following is a live copyrighted presentation. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time now for Radiolawtalk.com with your host, Frederick Penny, attorney at law. And now, Radiolawtalk.com. Welcome to Radio Law Talk. It is the 18th of May, 2019. We have a full house here. We are so grateful to have Denise in the house with us, Todd Cunin, myself. Uh, we have Cal Hunter behind the glass. And you know what? I'm just going to throw Ed Cottony. He's a friend of mine. He is here helping Cal out. He is our semi, uh, I'm going to say semi-phone uh, uh, screener, but I'm not going to say complete phone screener. But welcome, Ed, to the show. And thank you for helping Cal out. Uh, you know what? I want to thank Fordyce, Arkansas, KQEW, 102.3 FM, for joining us. Um, we appreciate you putting us on. They listen to us Sunday. It's a re- rebroadcast, 8 to 11 a.m. Uh, welcome, uh, Mendocino, California, KUNK, 92.7 FM. Thank you, thank you for putting us on and letting everybody listen to us. Don't forget, you can call us, Denise, at 855-LAW-RADIO. What's the number? 855-529-7234. Please call us. And you can tweet us at Radio Law Talk. Remember also, a lot of people who listen to us later or listen to our podcast want to comment. You can go ahead and comment by emailing us at info at radiolawtalk.com, or you can go to www.radiolawtalk.com and listen to our podcast. You can see all the fun things and interactive stuff we've got on our website. And I think I have said enough about uh, how to get in touch with us and how great we are. Is that true? Uh well, yes. <laughs> okay, well, I won't do any more. Yeah, how, do you, how do you get in touch with <laughs> Sorry, don't go there. Yeah, don't, don't go, go there. there. Oh, remember, we're talking about general areas of law. Seek local counsel. Do uh, Go to our website and uh, read our disclaimers if you're bored um, or if you want to go to sleep at night. We're going to do a case or no case. We are getting very close. Those of you who are new, case or no case is where Cal tries to either give us a case uh, or, or fake a case, and it's not a real case. We've got to determine if it's a case and what the outcome is as lawyers. However, the most important thing is the first one to 50 points gets his beautiful bride, Donna's famous, famous spaghetti. And let me tell you, it's not out of a jar. It oh, is all no. homemade no, no, no. spaghetti, yeah. and I cannot wait. And we are so close to the 50 points. It might, I'd say we might get close today, but Denise and I who are the closest to getting the 50 points, just got tanked in the in the hour two. So we're going to do a case or no case and try to get as close to that 50 points as possible. Cal, what's our number so far? Well, here's where things stand. As of before we start this hour, right now, Mr. Fred Penny has 46 points. Denise has 43 points. Todd has 39 points. And so, in the interest of making this Interesting. So, Denise, you are seven points behind the win. Fred, you're four points behind the win. Todd, you are... All right, let's do this. Four points. You can risk up to four points. It's going to be an eight-point swing. You either gain four or you lose four. Fred, if you get this right... Four points, and you win. You walk away with a victory. Denise, uh, you are closer if you win. Todd, wake heck of closer if you win. So what's your pleasure, Mr. Penny? I am going for all four points. I'm going for the four points. Todd, Denise, what about you? 
I am Mr. Go Big or Go Home, and I ain't going home, so I'm going big. Four oh, points. Oh, four points. Denise? Dang it. I'm more conservative. I was going to go for two. All right. Two's to? fine. Yes. All right. Roll it, Cal. All right. Here we go. Now it's time to play Case or No Case. Yay! His name was Brian D. Bartram. Brian Bartram was a 911 dispatcher in West Hartford, Connecticut. In 2002, and by the way, he'd been there since 1997. In 2002, his supervisors called him into a meeting to see how things were going. He said, poorly, frankly. So morale here is terrible. You people are letting it all fester. There must have been some other words spoken. But ultimately, at the end of the meeting, Mr. Bartram was immediately placed in an ambulance and forced to go uh, undergo psychiatric and medical examinations by the four supervising officers who were having this meeting with him. He was so unhappy by this turn of events that he thought about calling a lawyer. He said, wait a minute, what? Goes in for a, a meeting about morale, ends up being sent off for psych eval, loses his liberty at that moment, placed into custody, into the ambulance, and away we go. And so I ask you, and Fred, you go first on this one. It's your turn. I ask you, case or no case, and if so, the outcome. So it's 2002. He goes in to complain about the morale. Well, they called him in. They, they called, called him, him in. in. Yeah, he goes. So. He complains about the morale, and next thing you know, he's in an ambulance going to a psych ward. That's exactly that. the facts as I presented them to you. And yeah. I have to determine with all those holes in that thing, <laughs> the Swiss cheese facts, <laughs> if I... Never said it would be easy. <laughs> have to risk my four points to either go home, go what, go big or go, go home. Go big or go home. I tell you, okay, let's think. That is clearly a scenario. I agree that that is a scenario. Did he bring a lawsuit? No. That is an absolute case. That is an absolute true scenario, but no lawsuit was brought. Okay. Uh, let's see. I guess I'll go with Todd. What are your thoughts on well, that? So, so let me ask you a question sure, because sure. this is, goes to strategy. Sure. If uh, what are what are Fred's point potentials based upon how he just answered? Well, if he's right, he's all four, both sides. If he's half right, he gets two points. It doesn't lose anything, but he gets plus two. So what? what con- so he what, wins. He wins. What constitutes half right? As in, this is based upon a true story, but no case was filed. No, that's half right. Okay. Right. So right. if right. if right. if I say Cal, you're making this all up. It's not even based upon a true story. Then he loses and I win, right? If that were the facts, yes. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, from a strategic standpoint, I think I'm going to have to go with that. I I fear that what we're we're all going to answer and then Cal's going to say, oh, what I forgot to tell you is that he took five pocket knives and an AK-47 into the meeting. And you're like, oh, well, no wonder, you know. But, uh, yeah, I think that. Cal, you're making this one up. Swiss cheese facts. I said yes. it right. Man. Out of whole cloth, the whole thing is a fabrication. You know, I, I think people that listen to our show on Sunday are going to be concerned that you tainted the Sabbath with this. <laughs> oh, that bad. Yes. <laughs> Ms. Dirks, what say you? Okay, let's see. So Fred has said that it is a case. No, that, no, is no, a that it is a, the factual scenario is there, but it 
never amounted to a case. Right. That's what I'm hearing. And yeah. Todd saying no case. No case. No case at all. It was just made up yep. in whole cloth. Phony baloney, I think, were the words he was thinking. And nobody like. has even discussed any kind of a legal theory exactly. by which he could sue his employer. So, frankly, I'm disappointed in that. But anyway. Yes. <laughs> and he had made the mention that it was a festering uh, morale and that the environment was bad and that the uh, people in charge are not doing anything to help the morale. And it's a 911 dispatch, which could, seriously, if you have a low morale, it could be uh, impact a lot of people. You would think. Yeah. So I am going to say, and then you said he contemplated getting a lawyer. Is what you said. Well, that's what I always say, because if I said he got a lawyer, you would say, well, he filed a case. He got a lawyer. So I, that's why I always lead you up to the point where there's a decision to be made about the case. That's pretty I'm, I'm with Fred. I think yes. the fa- there's a factual scenario here, but it never amounted to a case. That's and I'm with Todd in that he probably brought guns and knives and ammunition. <laughs> or he's, he's ready to hurt himself. Are you final then? I'll, I'll say why. Because if you're with Fred, then the game's over and Fred wins. Because he gets four. What? He's at 46. No, he doesn't get four. He, only gets, he would only get two if he's half right, or he would get zero or four. Uh, uh, I mean, I mean, if you agree with Fred, and Fred is absolutely right. Yeah, but Fred may be right, because I okay. think Fred's right. Okay. All right, we're going to be right back to find out about case or no case. See if I get the spaghetti. <laughs> Stay tuned. We'll be, we'll be right back. All advertising for legal services on Radio Law Talk is strictly for the state or states in which the advertiser is licensed. For more information, go to radiolawtalk.com. Jason Ross back here with Fred Penny, managing attorney from Penny and Associates Injury Lawyers. Now, Fred, what type of cases are you dealing with now, and what sets you apart? Jason, we help people with all types of personal injury cases. We're former insurance company trial lawyers. We understand the other side, which gives us a distinct advantage over our competition. Remember, we don't get paid unless we win. That's Penny and Associates Injury Lawyers with locations throughout California. For a free consultation, go to pennylawyers.com or give them a call 1-800-616-4LAW. That's P-E-N-N-E-Y lawyers.com. This is Denise Dirks. We can represent clients in divorce, legal separation, child and spousal support, custody, termination of parental rights, step-parent adoptions, guardianships, and even conservatorship matters. Call 1-877-886-7186 for a consultation. The law offices of Denise L. Dirks provide family law services in Northern California. When the law affects your family, call 877-886-7186. The family of attorneys at Denise L. Dirks is here to help. Not all law firms have extensive experience in all areas of the law. It's wise to look for firms that have knowledge and understanding in your particular area of concern. So go to ProLawFirms.com. They have listings of attorneys in key areas of practice, such as family law, estate planning, personal injury, bankruptcy, and so forth. When you're looking for a lawyer that has extensive experience in your particular area of need, go to ProLawFirms.com. That's ProLawFirms.com. ProLawFirms.com is not a law firm and does not endorse or recommend any specific law firm. Hi, I'm Frederick Penny of Penny & Associates Injury Lawyers. I bet you're tired of hearing lawyer commercials. So just relax and listen to music for a few seconds. When you or a family member has been injured, call 800-616-4LAW or see us at PennyAndAssociates.com. See that.
Shalata. I like that show. This is Radio Law Talk. I'm feeling the vibes. Fred Penny's trying to hit the 50 points after about six months and win the spaghetti from Donna Hunter. I can't wait, and I, I don't think I'm going to share any. I'm going to be very, very greedy. Cal, tell us about the case, which I have put up four points. If I win, I go to 50 points. If I lose, I go home with 42. You have, however, the possibility of a split. You can be half right true. in this case, as always, and that oh, would be true. a plus two, or like you said, it could yeah. be a minus four. So uh, let's just review now. Todd, you said nothing. It's all phony. I and said I said that this has more fake information than my Tinder profile. This is all fake. <laughs> <laughs> and I've seen his Tinder profile. Yeah. Uh, tell you what. Swipe left, huh? <laughs> <laughs> He's a single boy. Now, ladies out there looking for a single boy that sits here and likes, is a famous radio host, he's available. No, no, I'm single. I don't know if I'm available. you you got to fight through three cats, a dog, a rabbit, and two geckos. And, and a legion of fans. Yes, yes. A legion of fans. Okay, now, Denise, you said... <laughs> I said what he said. <laughs> I said it is you a said. true scenario, but no case was filed on this. It's a true case that the incidents actually occurred, but no case was filed. Anyone wish to change your mind? Too bad. You can't. Okay. Now. All right. <laughs> For those of you who say this was a case, may I see by a show of hands? None of us. Well, a case as in true scenario or this somebody filed a case on this? A case. Okay. None of us. It was a case. We got all of us. We all of us got nailed. <laughs> oh, it was a case. It was a true story. Oh. If his accusation oh. can be taken at face value, the actions his supervisors took would appear to be extremely retaliatory, especially for a mundane grievance of low morale, which would explain Mr. Bartram's $2 million lawsuit against the police department. Oh. However... The outcome is unknown. <clears throat> I called the Hartford Police Department, the lawyer representing Bertram, and the Hartford Hartford Courant Cur- I'll be all right. Hartford Courant newspaper to see if I could forget a result on this case. No result was ever published, which tells me Settled that there was a settlement somewhere with a whole bunch of silence involved. Did it ever say why he? What happened in those meetings other yes. than his? Okay, what happened? Yes. The the problem was this: in they had had a fairly recent problem with a an officer's suicide oh. in oh. the uh, in the police department, and the claim was made then, and a lawsuit filed by the same lawyer, by the way, that the Hartford Police Department did not do enough to react to a, a, what appeared to be a psychotic individual who was concerned about morale or whatever it may be. So they underreacted there, got sued. This dispatcher claimed in his suit, therefore they overreacted in his case right. to a person who just said it was depressing in there and who knows, maybe even cried a little bit in the meeting. I have no idea. But uh, that was the that was the basis for their aggressively trying to get him into a psych eval. Wow. Wow. So, Interesting. So you know, what, you know who the winner story. is in this, right? Uh, Denise Dirks. Uh-huh. Exactly. Why? That's, uh, because I only put two up. Oh, that's right. We put four up. You and I. Uh-huh. Which is, which is why I said, see, Denise, if I had, if you had listened to me, 
and said that it was a case, we would still be going and you would be uh, Fred. Well, right, right Fred. now, I'm only one behind Fred, That's right. Though. Fred gets two points there because he put up four, so he gets two. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, no, because because I said it was a true scenario. It was a true scenario. So he gets half oh. of what he put up. So Fred has 48. <laughs> Denise gets two. So she goes to 45. Todd gets minus four. So he goes to 31. Because he had 35. No, that's not right. He goes down to 35. Thank you. And because he got uh, four so two other cases. So this is so. what's important, Cal. Yeah. Everybody listening, yes. make sure you tune in <laughs> next week. going to break next week. Because it's going to break one way or the other. The spaghetti. You tell Donna to start warming up her pants oh, and start she's making ready. that spaghetti. She's ready. Because I'm going to take it next week. And that's case or no case. Thank you for listening. Remember, if you ever want to talk about case or no case or you want to throw your opinion out, we know a lot of you don't want to be in the radio. You can call and just leave your message with Cal, or you can tweet us or later uh, send us a, a note at info at radiolawtalk.com. Now, it, what, I loved baseball cards. I grew up playing baseball uh, in, in, uh, in Northern California. I was not a good baseball player. I was a pretty good athlete when it came to basketball, but I always collect baseball cards. And I remember the Montreal Expos. Mm-hmm. And I would, I, would, I would collect their cards. I probably still have a lot of, probably, you know, I don't know, thousands of baseball cards. And the Montreal Expos were not doing well as in, you know, not many people were showing up. So what happened is they basically went defunct. And they became what's called the the Nationals, right? The Washington Nationals. The Washington Nationals. Which is back in Washington, D.C. area, which now competes with the Baltimore Orioles. And the Baltimore Orioles is a, is a famous team that's been around forever. Now what happens is the issue of the TV rights. This is what we're going to talk about. And there's a lawsuits that were filed. And we're going to discuss that. And Todd's going to get in more detail about it in a second here. But what we're going to discuss is... How much money's really involved in baseball TV? Because right now, the Nationals just won an arbitration for $300 million that the Orioles are supposed to pay to the Nationals. And we're going to kind of lay out why and what happened. So that's what happened when the NFL takes the Expos and puts them in Washington, D.C., and says, here you go, and doggone Orioles are going, this is not fair, it's a small market, now they're competing with us. I mean, if you think about it, we are 2019, so the Expos moved from Montreal to Washington in 2005, so anybody pretty much under the age of 14 wasn't even alive when the Expos were in Montreal. Um, but, you know, we have these scenarios here. You think about the New York Yankees, the New York Mets, Chicago Cubs, the Chicago White Sox, the Giants, and the Oakland A's all next to each other and that's not going forward because people have competing markets and when we come back we're going to talk about the beef that the Orioles had with the Expos and how they want money to compensate themselves for it. That's coming up on Radio Law Talk right here so we invite you to stay tuned to both your favorite radio station and RadioLawTalk.com. Thanks for listening. All advertising for legal services on Radio Law Talk is strictly for the state or states in which the advertiser is licensed. For more information, go to radiolawtalk.com. 
Warning, don't let your business get left behind in what is likely to be the biggest economic boom in recent history. If you need to build for your business to grow, call General Steel today for a pre-engineered steel building designed for your needs. No wasted space. Steel prices are expected to rise, but you can still lock in your price on a General Steel building. And you can still save as much as half the cost and time of conventional construction. As much as half. But you must call now. If you need a church building, office, warehouse, manufacturing space, retail space, or more, call General Steel today. You can still get the General's 50-year structural warranty and General Steel quality, all at a price you can afford. So don't let rising steel prices put your project out of reach and stop you from making your company great. 800-617-9312. That's 800-617-9312. If you're one of those independent people who wants your own business and you love food service, we just might have a great opportunity for you. Iceberg Drive-Ins. Iceberg is famous for its thick shakes and delicious food. We lend you our supply chain and expertise, and you can potentially have a thriving, successful, fun business that your customers will love. Iceberg Drive-Ins has some prime areas available right now, so if you're interested, get in touch with us right away. Go to icebergdrivein.com and click on the Contact Us button. Iceberg Drive-In, ready to grow with you. Not all law firms have extensive experience in all areas of the law. It's wise to look for firms that have knowledge and understanding in your particular area of concern. So go to ProLawFirms.com. They have listings of attorneys in key areas of practice, such as family law, estate planning, personal injury, bankruptcy, and so forth. When you're looking for a lawyer that has extensive experience in your particular area of need, go to ProLawFirms.com. That's ProLawFirms.com. ProLawFirms.com is not a law firm and does not endorse a record. to get back to Radio Law Talk on RadioLawTalk.com and on your favorite radio station. So we're back talking about this $300 million arbitration ruling that's giving uh, uh, some money supposedly to the Nationals from the Orioles, Todd, and we were discussing that. Yeah, and, and you know, when we talk about how they reached, we'll talk about how we got to $300 million or so. In a second, but what happened was we before we went into the break, we talked about these markets that have two teams. Another one was L.A., the Dodgers, and the Anaheim Angels, uh, or whatever they call themselves. It's the Angels, Calif- but it's, used to be called it's California. the uh, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. It's some long name. Anyway, um, so a couple of those markets had that, and those are big markets. And the argument from the Orioles has been that. The Baltimore market, which includes Washington, D.C., is a small market. It's not big like that. It can't handle that two teams and the revenue that's generated. Now, there's a there's a TV network in that area that is responsible for broadcasting the games, and this TV network, which is called Mid-Atlantic Sports Network, MASN, they have an agreement where they pay Major League Baseball a certain amount of money to broadcast the games and and generate the revenue for Major League Baseball in that area. So the argument here between the Orioles and the Nationals is how much of the money that MASN gives, how much should go to the Orioles and how much should go to the Nationals? Now, again, they've been there since 2005. And the figures, the amount that the Nationals said should go to them versus the amount the Orioles said, were very...
very far apart. The Orioles said that the appropriate fee should be about $34 million a year. The Nationals said, because it was supposed to be based upon what they called the true, the fair market value. Well, the Nationals fair market value is more around the lines of, long lines of $110 million a year. So this went to arbitration, and the arbitration panel ruled that the amount, they were going to kind of come between the two of them, right? Realized that, realized that the amount should be about $59.6 million a year. Over the lifetime of the contract, that comes up to about $300 million, which is where they get. Now, obviously, um, I, I think both teams are not happy with that number. The, the Nationals think it should be much more. The Orioles should think it, think it should be much less. And so it's the arbitrator's decision, and they are now continuing to, I believe, appeal to argue that that figure should be changed to represent the fair market value, both teams saying that it does not at this point. So that's the dispute between the Orioles and the Nationals. Now the question is, why did Major League Baseball allow the National or the Expos to even come to Washington D.C.? And the thing you have to remember is that in 2005, the Nationals or the Expos were in such financial disarray. Nobody was going to see the games up in Montreal. They didn't have any money with the ball club. Major League Baseball came in and took over the club. They took over the club, pumped MLB money into the club to keep it going. They didn't want to... You know, Fred talked about baseball cards and the history of the club. Well, they didn't want to just write it off and, and contract the league and lose the team because there was a history there. So they kept the team going to see if they could find a new home. And then Major League Baseball, maybe selfishly hoping they'd get their money back, agreed that this ball club that they were now running could move from Montreal down to uh, down to Washington, D.C. I guess the Orioles' question, if it had been any other ball club... Any other club not partially owned or being run by Major League Baseball, would Major League Baseball have allowed that club to encroach on our market? I think their argument, Orioles would say, no, you wouldn't have done it, but you allowed this to happen because you guys own the team. You were the ones that made up your mind. You were the determining body. And so now we're getting it stuck to us based upon this. So here's an interesting comment. Now listen to this. Strap on the seatbelt. This is super interesting to me. How much money... Do other teams make in Major League Baseball in revenue from television? Okay, so I'm going to ask both of you, and I know Denise, you're not the you're not the baseball person, but Todd's a big baseball fan, and so is Cal. So I'm going to ask the two of them. All right, what is the number one biggest money making baseball team in revenue when it comes to? Television. Okay, we got two hands. I'm going to go to Cal first. New, New York Yankees. Okay, well, who that, do you that say? That was my answer. New York Yankees. Wrong. Phillies. Wrong. Oh, dang. Really? <laughs> L.A. Dodgers. Dodgers. Okay. Okay, okay. now. Okay. Now, okay. Right. now, who is the worst or lowest paid baseball team in revenues for television? Todd. Oakland A's. Oakland A's? That, that was my guess. I was going to say Oakland, yeah. Not even close. Oakland is way above this team. Really? Arizona? The Rays. Oh, Tampa Bay. Well, yeah. Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah. They receive $20 million a year in revenues from television. Now, this is, shows you a discrepancy. The Dodgers 
$204 million a year wow. in just TV revenue. Look at the difference between the two teams, $20 million and 204 And that's not that's not parking, that's not concessions, nope. that's not walk-up nope. ticket sales, season ticket sales, sponsorships, nope. not, none of that, right? And before you go down saying, well, see, you know, the rich can just go ahead and buy contenders and the poor teams don't have anything, look at the number of championships won by the Dodgers in the last 25 years and compare that to the number of championships chips won by the Devil Rays, they've won World Series. But do they have caps like f- football or not? Does that, that they, Major they, League Baseball? They don't have a salary cap. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know if they have a luxury tax that they pay. Um, I believe they do, but it's not a hard cap. It's a soft yeah. cap. Yeah. But, but, but here, here's the thing to keep in mind. Without even looking at those numbers, if you're just a baseball fan and you look at how much plays like Giancarlo Stanton find a 10-year, 200 and, or a $300 million contract, 340 something like that, and then uh, Machado signed uh, for $300 plus billion. Bryce Harper signed for $300 plus, plus wow, million. These teams are not going into debt for those contracts. And if they aren't going into debt for those contracts, they can sign them. That tells you how much the owners are making. They're but making you know a lot. Some, here's some interesting ones. I thought the San Francisco 49ers would be uh, would be a big one. You mean Giants? Niners or Giants? Giants? San Francisco Giants. Yes. I mean. And guess what? They are they are actually down quite a way. They're 54 million a year. This is as yeah. of 2016. This is called fan graphics. That I'm getting this from. But Denise, you were pretty. Good. Phillies are 60 million. But guess who makes a lot of money? That I was completely shocked. 76 million. The Seattle Mariners. Wow! What? You wouldn't oh. think Seattle would be a big money town, but seventy-six million in revenues from television from Seattle market. What about St. Louis? St. Louis uh, is the, uh, the Cardinals. Cardinals is way down there, thirty-three million. Really? Yeah. One of the. So let me tell you the bottom. You were right. You're close, Cal. Rockies are twenty million tied with the Rays. And the Marlins, $20 million. Look at that. They're kind of Florida. What about Red Sox? The Red Sox are up there pretty good. The yeah. Red Sox are... They have the are, NESN, the New England yeah. Sports Network. Mm-hmm. $80 million. They're third. Behind, only second. There's the Yankees are second, Red Sox third, Mariners fourth, Cubs fifth. You know, when you, when you follow some of the people that make the decisions for ball clubs, you mentioned the Red Sox. Okay, so there's a guy who I am a huge fan of as a baseball executive. His name is Larry Lucchino. And here's why. Larry Lucchino was a junior executive for the Baltimore Orioles and oversaw the revitalization of Camden Yards. It made the put the Orioles back on the map for what happened there. Then he went from the Orioles to San Diego when they were playing at Jack Murphy slash Qualcomm Stadium. And Larry Lucchino turned that franchise around, took them to the oversaw them going to the World Series and oversaw the new ballpark that was constructed, Petco Park in beautiful downtown San Diego. And then he left San Diego and guess where he went? He became an owner of the Boston Red Sox and was responsible for revitalizing that, putting the stands on the top of the green monster. Everywhere he has gone, he has built winners, and his protege is one Theo Epstein, who was the general manager that led the Red Sox to the first World Series they'd won since the early 1900s right. and is now with the Chicago Cubs. Oh, so, who won? So, yeah. Yes, yeah, so... He led them to their World Series. That's right. Larry well. I mean, Lucchino. Put the team together anyway. Lucchino 
Gino and his protege have been fabulous for the business so of baseball. Did, didn't the Red Sox, the Wrigley family, used to own the Red Sox? Who did yes. they used to own? The Red Sox? Uh, no, it was the uh, it was the Cubs. Cubs. Wrigley Field. Wrigley yes. Field. That's right. Okay, so we're going to talk about the PGD. Uh, the officials came out from the state of California are saying that. Uh, Guess what? Uh, it's actually Department of Forestry and Fire Protection said it was PG&E's fault. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, Jake Bloom, who's the attorney that's being sued by Johnny, Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp. And then Guns N' Roses lawsuit. We'll talk about that all when we come back at Radio Law Talk. I'm your host, Frederick Penny. You are listening to Radio Law Talk on your favorite radio station and on radiolawtalk.com. The last segment is coming up momentarily. Don't go away. All advertising for legal services on Radio Law Talk is strictly for the state or states in which the advertiser is licensed. For more information, go to radiolawtalk.com. Most of you know that heart disease is the number one silent killer in the U.S. What if I told you for just $54.95 a month you could fight against heart disease naturally? At Heart and Body Extract, we've been helping thousands of people get back to a healthier heart. Don't just take my word for it. Check out all of the success stories at hbextract.com. Or to order, call 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. hbextract.com. Don't risk it when you can take charge of it. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy. There's no reason why you shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. And I'm going to give you a free copy of my lecture that tells you exactly how to do it. In fact, after you've lived a long and healthy life, there should be only two documents in your medical chart, a birth certificate and a death certificate. I'm Dr. Wallach with a warning. If you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol, high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, and other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. My free lecture is going to reveal what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. It's all in my free lecture called Deadly Recipe. So call toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. Again, that's toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. 1-855-79-YOUNG. Fellow patriots, my name is Todd Savage, founder of BlackRifleRealEstate.com. Like you, I was a prisoner of the alt-left sanctuary state until one day I chose to lead my family to freedom. Today we live on a sustainable 20-acre homestead where we shoot, hunt, garden, and homeschool our children without the tyranny of the nanny state looking over us. If you're ready to flee the city to the freedom of Idaho or Montana, our Black Rifle Real Estate team is here to help. Go to BlackRifleRealEstate.com. That's BlackRifleRealEstate.com. If you pay my fee, I'll take your case. You're listening to RadioLawTalk.com. And now back to your host, Frederick Penny. Well, PG&E... Uh, the big uh, fires that they had down in the Napa area and up at Paradise, which is northern California, up further north. Um, the State Department of Forestry and Fire Protection officially came out with a news release and said, basically, the uh, the fires were started by uh, faulty or, or lines that had sparked 
uh, the brush up north. They, they said it was sparked by PG&E equipment. Yep. They didn't say it was poorly maintained. Or they just said it was sparked by their equipment. Right. The, here's the why and, is the question. Yeah, and so here's some interesting. So so we're not going to get into details about that because that's coming forth. But obviously there's lawsuits left and right, and they filed uh, a reorganization bankruptcy. And um, here's here's the situation. I was in a in a store uh, on Thursday in Northern California, and an individual I looked over, it was a PG&E truck was out front. It was a little small mom and pa store, and this PG&E guy was talking to the patron, the, the store owner, and he said to him, and then the store owner goes, yeah, we read that you, looks like that uh, it was PG&E after all that caused that fire up there. And he, he turned to him and he said, you know what, it's not the employees, and you know what, we know that, but guess what, did you know? What do you say? God, I wish I, I should have written him down. Something to the effect of the whole thing is antiquated and antique. In other words, the system is so old and it's so big, they can't bring everything up to grade. It's just almost impossible. But it's it's old. A lot of system is old. And yet they have among the probably in the top three highest electrical rates in the country. Right. So you have to ask the question, why can't you? And plus, they're paying their um, the top CEOs and stuff a lot of money. Well, the top CEO was just brought over from the Tennessee Valley Authority, and this for a bankrupt utility, including stock options and everything. This year, his salary is ten million. Yes. Yeah, I mean that's not much compared to what a lot of other CEOs get, but for a bankrupt company, but he's see, getting ten million bucks. Okay, I'm wow. going to argue. That's an argument I hear wow. a lot. But let me argue back. Here's the issue, and and, and everyone's like, oh, rich people, all, all, you know, you getting too much money. They want to get someone quality. That individual is not going to come because he's going to have other options at other big companies unless they pay him that. And if you want him to help right the ship, you've got to pay for the person. You talk about antiquated power lines. This statistics mm-hmm. comes from the PG&E company profile. PG&E has 106,681 circuit miles of electric distribution lines. 106,000. Do you know how many times you circle the globe at 106,000 miles? I mean, that's like, what, the circumference of the Earth is 25,000 miles, something like that? That's like four times around the globe. That's how many miles of wire they have. But that's the distribution network. That is not what they call the last mile, where it goes from pole to home. That is just in that big distribution center with all the big tall towers and all of that. I mean, that's a separate thing. So their stats are 106,000 miles of distribution lines, 18, a little over 18,000 miles of interconnected transmission lines, 42,000 miles of natural gas distribution, and 6,438 miles of transmission pipelines. How do they keep all of that up to date? And this was the worst fire, the um, worst ever in our state's history and what we found out is that it wasn't just one fire that there was the two failures of the lines for PG&E there actually were two fires fires and one of the smaller fires was engulfed by the bigger fire it was file. gobbled up by the yeah, bigger one and, exactly. and, and listen i have actually been to ground zero my company has a radio transmitter up about a half a mile from where this thing broke out and it is staggering staggering, even in a forested area where this transmitter is, the amount of damage that was caused so quickly, and then to look at the electric infrastructure, 
Oh, my gosh. Because you see, when we talk about all these miles that are built, this wasn't built at one time. This was, well, let's build this, and then here comes some growth. Okay, let's build on top of that. Then here's more growth. Let's build on top of that. So we've got old and then new and then newer and newer and newer, right. all building on top of this same network. Uh, it's an impossible situation, I think. I don't well, know how they can. All, all i got to say is one thing. It sounds like lawyers are going to make money, right? Oh, boy. Yes. That's, that's they already be. are, right? Jake Bloom is the former lawyer of Johnny Depp, and we've talked about Johnny Depp all along. He's suing his former lawyer uh, for a number of things, and actually, did he win an award for $40 million, uh, Yes. Uh, because of what, Denise? The- because they, they failed to have a fee agreement in writing. So in Hollywood, oftentimes, it's a handshake arrangement. But you can't do that as a lawyer. You cannot have a contingency where you're going to get a percentage of your client's um, income for helping him with his contracts or whatever that you do for him as an attorney. That is illegal in California. And in fact, Mr. Bloom had to disgorge all the profits he had made because it was not in writing. And it's a right decision. Um, It kind of goes to the heart a little bit because this Jake Bloom was like represents a lot of people like Nick Cage and or Nicholas Cage and all these other people and you know he's got a lot of exposure here. Now he's stepping down from the firm. The firm's breaking up and because <laughs> right. the trial's coming up where Johnny Depp is suing him for other issues about uh, malpractice trying to claim that he gave him bad advice about the divorce of his of his lawyer well, he did, um, he, his wife among other he things. He did drop the malpractice claims relating to the divorce. That's true. But he's got other stuff that he's claiming uh, he was ill advised mismanagement uh, the whole ball of wax, and so just because he's stepping down doesn't mean that he's avoiding his liability, right? Right. I mean, th- those were cases that were brought, and then yes. now he's dropped that. So anyway, we're going to be following that. The, the trial's coming up in a few months. We'll follow it. Guns and Roses is suing a brewery over their rose ale. Now this is a brewery out of Chicago that Guns and Roses decide to, to file a lawsuit because they have an actual brew called Guns and Roses, which is. <laughs> Uh, apparently um, a, a, an ale of some sort, and they're refusing to stop selling this beer that they call Guns and Rosé Ale, R-O-S-E. And Guns and Roses is trying to claim that they're infringing upon their rights and uh, their trademark. And, and, and in fact, they did this ale, or Colorado um, a brewery, tried to get a trademark. They agreed to drop the trademark. But they're still selling the ale. So Guns N' Roses, the the singers. Yep, here it comes. Here it comes. Here it comes. It's November rain. Yeah. Oh, this is this is a great song. But what it is is they're going after them because they're saying you can't use Guns N' Roses. Guns and Rosé. It's too close. Right. Welcome to the litigation jungle. That's all I got to say. Well, well, yeah, there you go. But the interesting thing is, I guess their argument is it's not the same genre. If they have guns, if they have a, a music video or do music and they use Guns and Roses, then maybe that's that's the same thing. But this is in a beer genre, which they're going to probably argue is not in the genre that you use Guns N' Roses. Therefore, we have the right to use it. Well, and, and I think Guns N' Roses would be saying, yeah, but you know, 
we got to protect our brand. I mean, for the right. same for the same reason that just because it's in a different genre. I mean, look, I wouldn't want you using Guns and Roses in something that we are absolutely opposed to. What cigarette sales? If we were anti-cigarettes or whatever, right. you know, Guns and Roses are all a bunch of recovering alcoholics. They've been through rehab. Why would they want their name associated with ale? Maybe that maybe right. it's a brand <laughs> issue for them there because that is. Oh, that's the true them. reason why they're doing it. Well, I'm sure. I mean, what if Ford made a Guns and Roses pickup truck though? I yeah. mean, sure, it's out of context, right. but they'd still go, wait a minute, you can't do that. Well, yeah. if they use the mod- moniker, yeah. <clears throat> I think that Guns N' Roses well, could. And we, we're running out it. of time. But really quick, the Supreme Court's allowing an antitrust lawsuit against Apple to proceed. We're going to talk about that later. We're, we're running out of time. Yeah, the only thing about that is to just say, look, Apple's got a monopoly over apps. Where else can you get an iPhone app but the Apple Store? That's a monopoly. So that's right. the issue. They're saying they get too and much the, power. And the court is saying, we're going to let a jury decide. And yep. I guess... And we, our judges are split on two different sides, Kavanaugh and uh, Rob, uh, no, Kavanaugh and Gorsuch, and that's why this case is so interesting, too. Two judges nominated by the same president have differing views, and folks, that just means that judges don't always follow the political persuasions of those who adopted them. And now it's time for Quick Takes, Fred. Quick Takes. Uh, when your kid wants to get into a top college and he or she has a 3.1 GPA, you are to sit them down and say, you know, son or daughter, this junior college stuff is looking pretty good. Here's your trophy. <laughs> Denise, what's yours? Mine is, what did we learn from Robert Kraft? Don't plead until the feed is deemed admissible. <laughs> and then my quick take is based on the last story we just had about uh, Apple, which is says, does your spouse have a monopoly over you and your time? Well, maybe if you marry your Apple computer... All right, that's it. That's it. We've done enough damage for the day. Join us next week with Radio Law Talk. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate your support. I'm Fred Penny, your host, with Denise and Todd. See you later. You have been listening to RadioLawTalk.com. A copyrighted presentation of Radio Law Talk Incorporated.